live in a dangerous and unpredictable world. Markets turn and economies crash without warning. Staying ahead of the investment game is more difficult than ever. Join me, Alameen Templeton, every day between 7 and 8 p.m. on Business Matters for concise news and analysis of important events that are shaping the world, your life, and your pocket. You snooze, you lose. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yep. When they start playing that nasheed, you just know it's time for Business Matters with your host, Alameen Templeton. Yes, that's me. Assalamu alaikum. Well, we've had a bit of a kind of a, like a bit of a um, sort of uh, trading pace kind of day today. Not really getting forward much uh, in many ways. Uh, very strange things happening around the country. Coal trucks being burnt by former Optimum workers. Hijacking the coal, I suppose. You know, they're not going to pay you. You might as well just uh, steal the coal. Um, uh, Allah Ta'ala says, you know. Uh, crime is the punishment that Allah Ta'ala sends on a society when it does not take care of its poor. Those Optimum workers, they were had the dirty done on them by the Gupta brothers. The Gupta brothers were getting a nice... A nice payment to deal out of ESCOM there. They've taken the money already, probably already spent it. Oh, yeah. And uh, those guys are still there. The schmucks caught in the middle. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't have much of an education. You don't have many employment prospects. What can you do? What do you do? Well, I mean, uh, they burnt the trucks just outside Indrino this morning. Uh, residents from Indrina said, oh, we're going to jump on board, and they did exactly that. What kind of wonders uh, if South Africa, if we're not seeing a bit of third force activity here, you know, as we're watching um, the protests in Sudan, in Algeria, in uh, this war now in Libya. Um, and uh, there's also protests have been going on going in Tunisia, very largely underreported. Uh, and one of the things that has majorly been underreported is who has been supplying the arms into the area. It would seem uh, from my little uh, brief investigations, as in as much as I'm able to investigate uh, here in South Africa, it looks like uh, Russia and um, Russia and Turkey are backing uh, the government, uh, the Western government in Tripoli, which is also the UN-mandated government in Tripoli, whereas Khalifa Haftar's forces are being uh, uh, backed by the bad guys. Yeah, the United States. Uh, well, no, the United States would say, you can't say that kind of thing, you know, but like the apartheid government would say, it's not us. When Inkata would go through and massacre people sleeping in their beds late at night uh, in the lead up to our 1994 democracy. But uh, having been a journalist at that time, I just got a, I just got a super sensitive nose for third force nonsense. You and uh, the United States, uh, Britain and France have become real experts in this. Uh, I actually, you know, having looked at uh, what happened in South Africa in the early 90s, I've now come to the conclusion it was actually Britain who was bankrolling the IFP and were bankrolling rogue police units. No one has ever got down to the bottom of who was training the Encounter hit squads in uh, in the Caprivi Strip back in 1989, just before all of the violence broke out in 1990. Um, and 
It looks like the World Wildlife Fund Southern Africa, which was probably Anton Rupert, that disgraceful uh, man uh, who was who was actually who was the chairman of the World Wildlife Fund South Africa, Southern Africa. But the thing about the World Wildlife Fund is it it's basically the pet project of Prince Philip, who's a recidivist racist, and has been his whole life. Um, apparently he tried to kill the queen the other day with his car. Went driving within the car and then suddenly just went crazy and started swerving all over the place. Yeah, well, Queenie, that's what happens. She's the person who appointed uh, the Saudi the Saudi king back in uh, 1918 when the original defender of the two Haramein uh, refused to allow foreigners into the country. British immediately got rid of him and that's where the Saudi family came from. Yeah, well, uh, so now we find ourselves uh, back here in South Africa, uh, considering other issues, uh, some narrower focus here, Alameen. Come on, it's business news now. Stop letting your mind wander. Ah, well, you know, sometimes a little wandering mind really tends to pick up some really interesting things. And I'm afraid I've had a wandering mind from a very, 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 very young age. You know, at the age of three, I was already putting the sugar in the fridge, you know. Um... So here we have, okay, today, let's uh, go to the tailor of the tape on the JSC, the all-share index finishing in uh, positive territory. That's after a 1% plus rise yesterday, and now it's uh, half a percent, uh, 0.53% up, 59,222 rands, 47 cents. And uh, the top 40 index on 52,872.278. And... uh, well, that means uh, they also just slightly up more than a percent for the day. Um, the dollar is trading uh, to the rand or uh, at fourteen oh seven. Uh, we're on the fourteen on the nose yesterday. Eighteen twenty six to the pound. We were on eighteen twenty four yesterday, and fifteen seventy nine to the euro. Uh, my that slips my mind where we were exactly with the euro yesterday. Um, we were trading at, oof, this uh, laptop of mine is starting to irritate me. It's very strange, you know, sitting here talking to the public and uh, your laptop starts jumping all over the place. And you have to maintain a really friendly kind of tone, you know, while all of this is going on. We were on 15.81 to the euro yesterday and today we we're on 15.79. So we've actually gained ground against the euro. Uh, gold has continued traveling south. It's on the thousand two hundred and seventy-three dollars forty-one a fine ounce. Uh, the biggest, uh, the well, the most viewed shares on the JSE today. Um, as I say, it's usually a bit of a rogues gallery. Um, usually an indication of trouble rather than good news. Well, you know, in actual fact, it is a good mix. Sometimes there's really good news, and the kind of company is there. Everyone goes to have a look. Sassel is there again. Uh, it was there yesterday in fourth place. It's in fourth place again today. EOH was the number one spot yesterday. EOH is the number one spot today. Steinhoff in second place, as usual, and Sibania holding its traditional third spot there among the companies most viewed on the JSC, according to ShareNet's uh, website anyway. Uh, Sibania... Uh, well, it's, uh, it looks as though it's gold mining uh, uh, trade union woes or on, the, on the back burner for the while. A lot of conciliatory words coming out of there from uh, Joe Mum to Nunjua, the 
a general secretary of AMCU. Um, he thanked his he, th- he thanked his members uh, on Monday for for helping us in our battle against white monopoly capital. <laughs> That's at the same table while Neil Froneman is sitting right next to him. Must have been a little bit of an interesting moment, I'm sure. Uh, EOH. I went and had a look at EOH, and I was unable to see anything uh, in the in the reports other than uh, a firm uh, belief that uh, its residual, its core uh, strength is going to continue through the year, and uh, there's nothing wrong with the company other than a few uh, corrupt contracts uh, bribed out of government a few years ago. We haven't heard anything about that. We haven't heard anything out of EOH about how much money it was making from its Microsoft contract and how much it's likely to lose as a result of losing its Microsoft contract. But I went and had a look, and they've got a whole lot of uh, uh, branded goodies, uh, both software and hardware, that they retail. So... Um, <clears throat> So to what extent uh, the Microsoft pullout uh, is going to hurt them? Uh, well, that, that remains to be seen. And as to whether or not the other international contractors will follow suit, that's of course, is, is also a danger going forward. But as I say, uh, the results on Friday didn't bring out any kind of like new information that, that would um, that would justify a sudden surge as it experienced uh, after those results. It surged more than 50% on Friday, uh, surged another 20% on uh, on uh, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday it was up slightly, and today it's down slightly. It's down 1.8%. Um, yeah, uh, you know, when... But I've been told, because I've never bought a share on the JSE. Yes, that's right. I have never bought a share on the JSE. In fact, I don't even have a pension fund. Right, okay. See, I put my money where my mouth is, I tell you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I tend to invest my money in the people that I know, in my family and uh, people close to me. Uh, I find, well, if that was good enough, Nabi Kareem, I'm going to do it as well. I'm not going to put my money in a pension fund. Um, and, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, that's my business. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Steinhoff is in the news, uh, as usual, simply because it's a huge big company and everyone is still waiting to hear what's going to happen. Well, today, Jayendra Naidu stepped up to the plate. Uh, he owns uh, these, he's the head of this uh, group, apparently, um, called Lancaster. Uh, it's apparently a black economic empowerment company, although I'm not too sure, because the only name I've ever seen associated with it, I was searching today trying to find uh, its other shareholders and could find a nary a mention of anyone other than Jayendra Naidu, uh, who's part of the Naidu family that's related to the Gandhi family in India. Every time one of the Gandhis comes over to South Africa, it's his family that goes and hosts them all over the place. I know because I was a good friend of... Uh, uh, a friend of the family of theirs, Isi, uh, Isi Dinat, he married uh, one of the Naidu sisters, uh, and I became friends uh, with his son, Sean Dinat. Yeah, well, um, self-confessed reprobate, although he appears to have mended uh, um, his ways in his uh, much later life. Alhamdulillah for that. May Allah ta'ala bless him with his diet, because, uh, yeah, the, their, their children are not Muslim. Uh, they went off to London. Uh, they were in exile. I kind of like uh, feel that a lot of the exiles' children were hijacked by MI6. Um, I really am distrustful of the exiles' children. Really am. There's some like really high-profile ones that I know. Uh, 
rather better than I would I would like nowadays in in retrospect thinking back um and uh yeah they've got very dodgy ties I must say um but be that as it may I suppose you know it's uh, it's all in the revolution and so on you see uh, he passed away a few years ago may Allah ta'ala have mercy on him forgive him for all his sins and illuminate his kabbah uh yeah, uh, Isi married a Hindu girl, uh, and of course Isi is related to a very wealthy family up there in Rustenburg. Uh, it was given a whole big plot of land by Paul Kruger uh, during the Boer War, as was the Naidu family in Heidelberg, also given a huge big plot of land, as was the Mir family at uh, Mir's farm, now Waterfall City as they're calling it. Uh, and where the Ishtama will be happening this weekend, I hope you've made time to go to to get down there and to visit it all. I am afraid I'm not going to be able to be there. Much to my regret, I'm going to have to man uh, the the microphones. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm I'm stuck here in Lanesia while you guys go and yeah indulge in uh, like a really heavy ingestion of Noor. Uh, yeah, and that's at Mia's farm. It's very interesting, uh, you know, those three Indian families uh, uh, have, have basically hung around uh, and, 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 done, and done very well in South Africa. Uh, well, anyway, Jayendra Naidu is now trying to get hold of the billions uh, that they paid, uh, as, that they got from the PIC. PRC is also not very happy about it, uh, and all of that is going. Uh, all of this has been uh, disentangled in the PRC Commission at the moment, and I hope the PRC Commission is actually going to find out exactly who is uh, behind Lancaster House. Uh, is it just a one-man show? Is it just Jayendra Naidu on his own? Uh, we've been told that uh, 25% of uh, that investment is owned by Jayendra Naidu's Lancaster 1, and uh, another 25% is owned by Lancaster 2. Lancaster 1 is headed up by Jayendra Naidu, supposedly. Uh, and uh, Lancaster 2 consists of a broad-based uh, non-governmental organizations. Mm. But not one of them has ever, ever, ever been identified. We have no idea who they are. Apparently, these are the um, the guys who have benefited from uh, PIC largesse and have now had it all stolen away by the Afrikaners. <laughs> ah, boy, what a South African story that is, eh? <clears throat> yeah, there's a real whole South African story all wrapped up in there. That's a real South African story going back more than 100 years, actually. Very interesting indeed. So, Jayendra Naidu. He stepped up to the plate to say, he says, we're going to uh, bring court action to recover this money from Steinhoff. He says a lot of people have been hurt. Uh, that's his word. I don't know. Maybe it's only him. Maybe he's got a lot of children. Um, uh, you know, it's allegedly a black economic empowerment company. Jayendra uh, Naidu. I know uh, he's not a white person, uh, but uh, he's not broad-based. He is rather chubby. But it's not broad-based. So, uh, yeah, um, the only person we've ever seen mentioned in connection with the Lancaster group has been Jayendra Naidu. Uh, you know, and uh, really, um, I've, I've, I find it very difficult to, to simply presume that it is a broad-based uh, company because that's the only face we've ever seen. So now Jayendra Naidu is trying to get his money back. He says it's broad-based money. 
Okay, well, supposedly it is broad-based money. But, yeah, Giant Renardi says he's trying to get his money back. And who can blame him? Uh, it's a lot of money. Uh, but we'll get back to that a little bit later in the show. Continue with the tale of the tape. Clicks is the biggest winner today on the JSC. I always like to see the retailers uh, getting a boost. MediClinic, uh, hospital group, uh, is up 5.61% in fourth place. MassMart, yay, another retailer, although it's American-owned. Uh, 4.31% up, two worths. Wow, how about that, hey? All of them, retailers. Yeah, right. People are, and that means that people are starting to bet on, on, on the retail outlook for the year going ahead. And I hope whoever's doing that are correcting their presumptions. Uh, you see, no, let's not get distracted. Let's just go on to the five biggest losers on the JSC today. Vivo again, the Shell service station uh, retailer uh, in the rest of Africa, excluding South Africa, is the biggest loser, down 3.83%. It'll tile. Oh, that's uh, that's also a retailer. It's down 3.78%. RCL, that's uh, Rainbow Chicken Foods, uh, down 3.08%. Barlow World, uh, the retailer of big yellow equipment like caterpillars and, and trucks and tractors and graders and so on, is uh, the fourth biggest loser. And Pick and Pay. One of the biggest retailers is in fifth place. So now what do we make of all of that? Retailers are big winners and retailers are big losers. Huh? There's, I mean, RCL is also consumer-faced. So, uh, yeah, and Little Tile is also consumer-faced. And the Vivo is retail as well. It's just petrol retail. Barla World is like big, heavy equipment retail. So you could say, wow, if you have a look at the tail of the tape, retail was a very big mover today. Uh, yeah, uh, re retail figures have been growing uh, January, February, March. Uh, we've had very good retail figures coming out, uh, and that may, may, that may be the reason. There may have been a bit of a sell-off over December when retailers said that they had one of the worst Christmases ever. Um, uh, in, in fact, most of them said that they made more money from November's Black Friday sale than they did from Christmas. Yeah, it may be that uh, people are becoming a lot more clever. You see a lot of uh, billboards on the roads nowadays, you know, during December, speaking about, uh, um, what's it, uh, I, I can't remember. It's It's got ace in it, you know, um, uh, January ace, you know, it's uh, the pain coming forward. People, people, it's actually becoming part of the common culture now. You go and waste your money over Christmas, uh, as I always encourage you to do. Uh, then you're going to have a very hard January. And if you're trying to pay for your kids' school fees and school books and school clothes at the same time, you're probably going to have a lot of long-faced people. And, uh, yeah, South African consumers are becoming a little bit more savvy. Uh, hopefully so, anyway. Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, I think that may be a reason why we've suddenly seen this big upsurge in, uh, yeah, the retailers on the JSC. So, yeah, that's uh, it's very nice to see. As I say, I'm always happy to see the retailers doing well. Because when the retailers are doing well, that means that uh, they reckon that consumers have got more money in their pockets. 
the rand slips amid pressure on emerging market currencies. Uh, we are told the dollar has firmed as a result of disappointing eurozone data, but the rand has avoided the losses of some of its emerging market peers. As I say, uh, that's quite unusual. Maybe there's a bit of a differentiation now starting to happen uh, in the currency traders. Uh, rand has avoided losses of some of its emerging market peers. Very often what happens with the rand is because it's uh, easily tradable, because we've got like such uh, uh, big amounts of money being traded in the RAND uh, because uh, we've uh, really relaxed <coughs> currency controls uh, so much since 1994. The RAND is now very easily tradable. We've got all of the software and all of the infrastructure here in South Africa. We've got all of the banks. We've got all the trading houses. And we've got a huge, big heap of pension fund money. South Africa is one of the best saving countries in the world. Don't believe what Business Day tells you. Don't believe what MoneyWeb tells you. Don't believe what Davi Ruit tells you. Don't send your money offshore. Invest it here in South Africa. Die Verreier. Don't take your money offshore. You know what? I'll tell you something about financial advisors always telling you to take their money offshore. They make their money out of you, and then they make their money in a hard currency overseas with extra fees. That's the main reason why these guys are telling you to take your money offshore, because they make more money out of it, and they don't give a damn about the country. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. You've got to die somewhere. Everyone has to die somewhere. What's your, oh, no, I'm not going to invest my money in South Africa. Oh, really? You're going to invest it in some other country? Look what they did with people's investment money in the United States. Don't you learn anything? Since uh, all the wealth that has been accumulated by the middle class and uh, the lower classes in the United States since the World War I has disappeared, and it's all gone to the 1%. Uh, they, 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 they schmucked them. With uh, low uh, low interest rates in the Anna Greenspan era, meaning uh, that pensioners uh, had to find some way of getting extra money in, so they started investing in the stock exchange because all of the brokers and uh, financial advisors were going around saying, "You've got to invest in the stock exchange. We've got these new tech companies coming in. Yeah, these guys are just going to take over the world." This was when America really thought that its uh, technological advantage it's, uh, was really going to help everything. Yeah, you know, that's until Huawei came along, and now America's uh, worrying that uh, this 5G technology is going to allow China to spy on American companies. Huawei responded in Barcelona last month saying, no, in actual fact, the real reason why America is concerned about Huawei is that America will not be able to spy on you because of Huawei's technology. That's the reason why America doesn't want Huawei technology coming around the world, because it wants to stick its dirty nose into everyone's business. That's the reason why. Uh, and so, yeah, it's really nice to see suddenly American software now turning around and looking at mainland China. Uh, not that mainland China is, uh, well, look, you know, it's a better behaved country than the United States, put it that way. It may be uh, putting the Uyghurs and uh, other Muslims into concentration camps. That's what Beijing is doing. And uh, following its uh, Western-based superstitions. Yeah, you know, Beijing is still in the thrall of, of, of uh, uh, they still admire the West. They still feel second rate compared to the West. That is why they put in the Uyghurs, the Muslims in concentration camps, because they're superstitious backward peasants, just like Donald Trump. Oh boy.
Alameen, just calm down a bit. All right, okay. We'll calm down. We're going to go for a quick commercial break while I grab a little quick uh, sip of coffee just to, like, really get me getting a little bit fanatic. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. We live in a dangerous and unpredictable world. Markets turn and economies crash without warning. Staying ahead of the investment game is more difficult than ever. Join me, Alameen Templeton, every day between 7 and 8 p.m. on Business Matters for concise news and analysis of important events that are shaping the world, your life, and your pocket. You snooze, you lose. Marukha Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum, welcome back. Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. Remember, if you want to share your views with us, our lines are open here in Lanasia. Still waiting for my first caller to call in. And uh, I promise you, you know, I have had other guests on the show, and I believe that I have treated them with the, with the, the, the courtesy they deserve, as does any guest who comes onto my show. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So, if you've got some ideas you'd like to share with the rest of the public out there, give me a call. Uh, I promise, I'll be gentle, I'll be nice. Uh, or if that shyness is just too much, you can, of course, WhatsApp us on 084-786-3132. 084-786-3132. Uh, well, Samsung. South Korea company uh, at, uh, tried to uh, ambush Huawei. Uh, recently, Huawei was bringing out a double-sided uh, cell phone. You know, you can open it up like a book. Uh, so uh, Samsung obviously got wind of this, and they launched their model uh, a few weeks, in fact, uh, one week before Huawei unveiled their their phone at the Barcelona IT show, which is like the the cell phone company, smartphone companies, uh, kind of like it's their mucker that they go to every year. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's where they go on pilgrimage. And um, so uh, Huawei had announced it was going to be um, uh, bringing its new double-folded phone uh, to the public at Barcelona. So Samsung went and tried to ambush them by bringing out their phone a week early. Mm. Not a very good idea, it would seem, because today Samsung's phones are being dissed all over the world. Some test models of Samsung's new foldable phones suffered defects of own, after only days of use, casting a shadow over next week's introduction of a $1,980 device. That's like around about 27,000, 28,000 rands. Hmm? Imagine buying a phone for 28,000 rands and it's meant to rejuvenate a flag in market and showcase the Asian company's technology expertise and then within two days it's not working. Several publications uh, in Europe and America and Japan outlined a host of problems with test versions of the device which folds inward like a notebook. Um, Bloomberg's review unit experienced issues after a plastic protective cover was removed on Monday. By Tuesday night, a small tear had developed at the top of the hinge where the gadget opens. Then the display failed to operate properly. The Korean company suffered a blackout with the previous launch in 2016 when it recalled the Galaxy Note 7. Remember that one? Yeah, that's after consumers reported issues with batteries that burst into flames. The world's largest cell phone maker, maker is counting on ground-baking gadgets to propel growth and excite consumers as demand for mobile devices flattens. 
Pre-orders began Monday for a marquee device expected to usher in a wave of smartphones that can unfurl into tablets. The Galaxy Fold 7.3-inch screen teased how users can juggle three apps at once and view video with more clarity. Uh, Samsung said they had received a few reports regarding the main display on the samples provided. They will thoroughly inspect the units in person. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, you, see, you see what happens if you're a journalist, what kind of like, you know, um, service you get. Um, but if you're a schmuck from the public, well, I'm afraid you're not going to get that personal attention to detail as uh, the journalists get. The phone's commercial launch is still planned for April 26, and I, I guess that they're working really hard in Seoul to try and iron out all of those problems. All right. So and now there's a lot of talk going about in the marketplace today that a certain uh, financial executive from the banking sector, first rand, I think, uh, Kennedy Bungani, has been identified by anonymous sources. This is coming out of Bloomberg, and Bloomberg loves its anonymous sources stories. Um, so it may well be just, uh, I don't know, Bloomberg is trying on behalf of the CIA to establish exactly who's going to be taking over the PIC so they can start targeting him for attention as well. Uh, yeah, Africa's largest fund manager is said to be considering financial services executive Kenny Bungani to head the institution, according to uh, Bloomberg's people familiar with the matter said. Mm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's after Dan Majila last year went to, went about his way. And in his wake, there's a whole host of uh, dodgy deals that he approved for BEE partners, uh, including Jayendra Naidu, as we've spoken, uh, including Iqbal's server. And every single time one of these um, loans to these guys is mentioned at the PRC inquiry ongoing at the moment, uh, they say, well, it looks, you know, in retrospect that we made a mistake. Uh, and it, it turns out, you know, that uh, in order you don't need board approval at the PIC for uh, loans that are less than 10 billion rands. Imagine that, 10 billion rands. You just got your own personal signature for you can sign off. Uh, I, I think if anything comes out of the PIC inquiry, that's one little thing that needs to change very, 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 very urgently. Anything a billion dollars, I mean a billion rand or less, maybe. Uh, because, you know, they're sitting on two trillion rand, so they have to make investment decisions on a regular basis. And having to bring all of these things to the board uh, would simply make the board, you know, the, you, you might as well just go sit in an office, uh, everyone sitting in there. You know, you could maybe have a board meeting on, on your cell phones, uh, you know, uh, a cloud meeting on your cell phone. Uh, you can you just meet on your cell phone every now and then. You can hold board meetings uh, five times a day then in that case. Well, one, one, no, I'm, it's just... Uh, mind wandering again so now uh, yeah <clears throat> so I, I, I think they really do need to change that uh, 10 billion rands like you know on my personal signature I can just uh, send that money away and of course it's not your money other people's money OPM that's a big that's the big game in banking uh, other people's money uh, and so yeah I, I think that needs to change at the PIC uh, they need to lower that uh, that amount. Uh, put the board. Well, you know, is it, uh, it needs board approval. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of these loans have been made to to dodgy guys without any proper oversight, with any due diligence being made. Uh, and very often, despite the protests of their own analysts, like their own analysts. Um, 
they, they protested against the money given to Iqbal Serve in order to buy independent newspapers. But, I mean, you know, that must have been a very tempting one to give a go-ahead to because at that stage, uh, South Africa's big uh, newspaper groups were still owned by the white boys. Really, really, uh, really dodgy, dodgy white boy kind of old boy network still ongoing after all that time. Uh, there was a there was an editor of the Star newspaper by the name of Peter Sullivan. He uh, he was fired, although he had put together a watertight contract when uh, Tony O'Reilly took over independent newspapers back in two thousand and no nineteen ninety four uh, nineteen ninety five somewhere around there. Um, the the previous editor had been our editor all, all the way through the township war years and so on. Richard Stain refused to work under the new regime because uh, editorial independence was taken away. Uh, the editor had to report to the board, had to explain things to the board. That being the case, Richard Stain said, if you're not going to allow your journalist to be independent, then I'm leaving and I will not be the editor of this newspaper. So he stood down and immediately, well, Peter Sullivan uh, clambered into his place and uh, then, uh, you know, went off on tours on the Queen Elizabeth cruise ship and went sailing on a yacht across uh, the Atlantic Ocean and so on. They very, did, did very little kind of like work as an editor, obviously like really enjoying his largesse that he was being exposed to. Um, and so, uh, under these jokers' uh, regime, independent newspapers just turned into, well, what it is today. People can blame Iqbal Server, but in actual fact, 98% of the damage had been done before he came along. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, South Africa, what a different country we are nowadays, huh? So, yeah, so the PIC uh, must have been very tempted, you know, to, to, to bring about a change in, in ownership uh, in the private sector, in the media, uh, whatever reasons. But however, the thing is that the PIC's analysts were saying, you can't lend this money to this guy, Iqbal. So what does he know about newspapers? What does he know about media? And I'm afraid, you know, I, I really had high hopes for the guy when he came in. Um, I was really hoping against hope this isn't going to be another Muslim who's going to be bringing the Ummah's name dragged into the mud. And that's what he's doing. <sighs> Why is it so difficult to find an honest Muslim nowadays? Why is it so hard to find an honest Muslim nowadays? Well, I suppose, you know, if uh, if you've found honest Muslims everywhere, then Amir Karim might have been incorrect. In his uh, hadith, when he said, in these times, the Muslims will be killed in many numbers. The kuffar will bring, will invite their friends to come and watch you being killed, like they're inviting people to a picnic. And the reason why, although you'll be great in number, because you love money and you fear death. And yeah, so, well, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa prophecy is certainly coming true in spades uh, around the world today, I'm afraid. Really, uh, it makes it difficult, you know, as a revert as I am. I'm just now 19 years a revert. Uh, but it still hurts me greatly. Uh, it really does. It hurts me greatly, you know. Uh, I'm hoping against all hope that my mother will become a Muslim. She's a devout Catholic. She's 88 years old. Oh, and you know, my family just turns out, what? Look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. Ah, uh, boy. 
Uh, they look at me like I'm an idiot. It's difficult. Difficult. Ah, you mustn't take these things personally, Alameen. Yeah, okay, so uh, Bungani, 44 years old, has a bachelor's degree in corporate investment finance. He's been touted as the new head of the PIC. He was head of Barclays Africa Group outside South Africa and in 2014 became chief executive of Pembani Group, a black-owned investment house. They combined its assets assets with now President Sul Ramaphosa Shanduka Group. Oh. Prior to working at the Barclays Unit, he is head of South African Corporate Investment Bank and at Standard Bank. All right, so the guy is a bank. And he's not to be trusted. Oh, well, he'll probably be put in charge of the BIC then. As far as I'm concerned, bankers. Bankers. If we took all the bankers out and we executed them today, would the country, would the world be better off? I reckon it would be. I reckon it would be. Uh, but, uh, well, that's probably not going to happen for a while. Uh, although, you know, the tide is turning. The tide is turning. ESCOM, the state utility that supplies 95% of South Africa's power, is overhauling its sole nuclear plant with the aim of extending its lifetime by at least 20 years. Now, that's very nice. Okay, you know, it was supposed to come offline in 2024. That's nice. Uh, They say that that's uh, just some big equipment that they need to change. They haven't said how much that big equipment is going to cost. Uh, Of course, it's going to have to come off ESCOM's books. And, of course, uh, we're going to have to import all of this technology. And uh, no mention about where the technology is coming from. The one thing that does worry me about all of this is that one of the things that they want to replace is uh, the new, is the reactor vessel cover. This is basically like the pot that's put on, the the lid that's put on top of a pressure cooker. Um. Uh, Toshiba, I believe, is the only company in the world that is able to manufacture a vessel react a re- reactor vessel cover out of one piece of steel. Uh, all the other companies in the world, uh, they have to make it out of two pieces and then weld it together. The fact that it has to be welded together means that that weld, that weld, has to be perfect uh france touts itself as being the world's foremost foremost uh nuclear parts and spares um manufacturer uh, yet back in 2016 the reactor cover on top of their flamanville which is supposed to be their foremost nuclear power station there on the beaches of normandy where the Allies invaded uh, in the Second World War, uh, that experts have now said is in actual fact in danger of uh, flood, flooding. What are you, why on earth didn't you learn anything from a Fuku, a Fukushima uh, disaster in 2011? <clears throat> well, no, the French have decided they're going ahead with it, and uh, they're building it right on the beach. Uh, this is uh, their Flamanville uh, reactor, 2016. The reactor blew up. And why did it blow up? Because it's reactor cover. The thing that we're now replacing. We're getting a new one. Uh, It wasn't welded together properly. And uh, they say they're trying to fix it. And there's actually a South African company here in South Africa that specializes in in nuclear covers. Uh, As I found out today, because I was doing a whole lot of research into this, trying to find out exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. It's called KAEFER, K-A-E-F-E-R. And they actually specialist in um, 
keeping the temperature cool on the reactor cover. Uh, and one would expect them to be involved in all of this, but I wonder if they are. Where are we going to get the reactor cover from? That's, where, that's what I'd really like to know. If we're not going to get a one-piece reactor cover from Japan, oh boy, you know, because France, if it's not able to make a reactor cover for its own nuclear power stations, why should we buy anything from them? You'll remember that Arriva was Tabumbeki's uh, chosen partner back in 2008 when ESCOM in December suddenly discovered that, uh, you know, uh, they'd run out of, uh, they were running out of uh, power. There was, the demand was exceeding supply. This was after in 1994, ESCOM was saying, we've got so much excess capacity, we've got enough power to power the whole of Southern Africa, all the way up to Zambia, all of their mines, everything. We can, we can power it all. They were looking at exporting power. Uh, but uh, then they went and signed that deal with Billiton, uh, giving them a 20-year um, subsidized electricity supply. I mean, they're handing it out so cheaply. There must have been bribes been paid in all of that. I'd be surprised if there wasn't. And uh, suddenly we, uh, you know, uh, ANC buddies are giving other ANC buddies contracts and mining mining ministers are getting together with uh, new, uh, power ministers, are getting together with water ministers and road ministers and rail ministers. And they're all planning mines and, uh, and more importantly, smelters all over the country. At one stage, back in 2009, five smelters were being planned for just around Johannesburg. They all appear to have been put on ice as a result of our, of our power shortage. So, you know, in many ways, the inabilities of South Africa's economy to perform according to its full potential is a protection for us in some ways. You know, it's, it's very difficult to find that silver lining on these gray clouds that are hanging over our country at the moment. But one of them, one thing uh, that uh, this kind of like a crazy way that South Africa goes about its business, it prevented the wholesale nationalization of state assets back in 1994. It's prevented uh, the wholesale destruction of the air we breathe uh, since 2008. Uh, yeah, so there there are a few silver linings that we see, uh, but yeah, all of these smelters coming online mean uh, that we are always going to be short of electricity. Uh, and uh, you know, if maybe if the ANC politicians hadn't signed uh, so many smelter agreements, uh, we wouldn't be in as much trouble as we are. Because still today, uh, human beings only consume seventeen percent of ESCOM's power. Uh, th that being the case, you know, I still still believe that we should be in actual fact households should receive electricity for free or at least a, a generous portion of electricity like say uh, if you're able to supply electricity to a small house with a family of five there's it that should be the base model that amount of electricity should be given to every single household in south africa for free every month we should not be paying for our electricity the corporate sector should be paying for our electricity in South Africa. At one stage, I was thinking, well, okay, you know, we've got the cheapest electricity in the world. Maybe, maybe instead of, you know, um, selling our cheap labor potential, we could sell our cheap electricity potential to attract foreign direct investment. It's not a bad sell, you know. Um, uh, power supply uh, is in, in acute demand all over the world, and it is a major factor in terms of uh, direct investment decisions. Mm. Uh, but anyway, since then, we've all run out of uh, electricity, and uh, I, I guess that kind of uh, sales advantage has disappeared. So, yeah, I'd like to know, where is ESCOM 
getting uh, this nuclear reactor cover from and how much is it going to cost and who's going to make it. Uh, because if that reactor cover blows, there could be serious trouble. There could be serious trouble. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that's Kuburg done for at the moment. Um, the World Bank has warned that high demand for African eurobonds will place countries at a higher risk of debt distress once an increase in U.S. rates, interest rates, prompts investors to turn their backs on emerging market assets. I almost fell off my seat laughing at this Bloomberg story today. Almost fell off my seat laughing at this Bloomberg story today. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, over the last six weeks, has uh, repeatedly uh, attacked uh, the U.S. Fed. You know, like in ways that South Africa's spineless politicians are too scared to actually take on the South African Reserve Bank, uh, as they should have done uh, after, after that November hike last year. There was absolutely no reason for it. Um, we, had, we, we had just entered official recession and the increased interest rates. Uh, and now, uh, the Reserve Bank governor is saying they're not going to reduce that rate, even though there was no reason to increase it in the first place, according to local conditions, according to things that are in our control. Uh, and he says he's not going to be uh, re reducing the rate until he sees a decline in uh, inflation and most uh, particularly consumer-facing uh, insurance. Uh, sorry, Lesetia, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't, you should have lowered it. You need to lower it. People are really struggling in this country at the moment. And you're an enemy of the people. And in fact, you know, Lesetia lately has been issuing all kinds of like DA, uh, World Bank aligned kind of politically sensitive statements about South Africa. Oh, no, well, it looks like state capture has cost far, far more than we thought it was going to. Uh, yeah, I know the, the, the government cannot, uh, uh, cannot expect the Reserve Bank to bail out ESCOM. Uh, when, uh, when did the government expect the Reserve Bank to bail out ESCOM? Obviously, someone has been talking about some kind of quantitative easing uh, going on because we've got such a big pool of local money here in South Africa. Most of our loans that the government needs, it gets from the private sector here. Uh, and uh, they would need the Reserve Bank uh, to come on board if they want to do a kind of a quantitative easing thing like uh, the... Um, like the, they have in America and the European Union, Japan and China, uh, the main miscreants in this regard. I, 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 I think it's a, it's, a, it's a heinous way about going to managing your, your economies. But if all of the big economies are doing it, why the heck should we <clears throat> have to fight against that differential all the time? All the money has been thrown at, the, at, at Wall Street and uh, the London Stock Exchange. And you get old frightened white men like Magnus Haystack here in South Africa. Yeah, but now look how like the South African uh, JSE. It's like being left in the dust by Wall Street, bro. Hmm. Yeah, well, you're going to throw $5.5 trillion at the, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange and see what you're going to have happening. Uh, <clears throat> the easy money in the United States is uh, resulting in a phenomenon that they call zombie companies. Companies that would have gone down many, 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 many years ago, but because of the easy credit they're able to access, now they, they're staying afloat. Well, you know, what that is doing, it is harming U.S. productivity, so I'm glad. You know, there has to be a knife that cuts both ways. Why does it always cut our way? 
got to cut back in the United States. It'll take a little bit longer time, but that cut will happen, inshallah. The World Bank, yeah, has now warned that if the United States starts raising interest rates, uh, African economies are going to be in trouble. African bonds are going to be in trouble. Euro bonds, these are bonds in foreign currencies that have been raised overseas because they've got the lower interest rates than you've got here in Africa. Hmm? And you see, and also those African countries don't have a big local base of banking money and pension money and savings money. And uh, so they've got to go overseas to get these loans. So uh, the World Bank is warning that African countries, including South Africa, but also including Ghana, Benin, uh, could be in trouble if the United States starts raising interest rates. Well, I can assure you it's not going to be raising interest rates for a good while, at the very least for the rest of this year. And, you know, uh, their ability to raise interest rates. Look at that gown. That's a triple A rated economies. And they've got an interest rate of zero. Zero. That means that the economy is zero. That is the reason why they're stagnating economies. They're sinking into the morass. They are sinking. In fact, uh, I issued a Facebook post today saying the United States is dead. It's just falling very slowly. Mm. <sighs> yeah. So now we are now the World Bank and Bloomberg. Uh, warning us that, yeah, we're going to be in danger because of emerging market assets because the United States might start increasing interest rates. I don't fall for it one little bit. I don't believe the United States is in a position ever again to raise interest rates. I don't think Europe will ever again raise interest rates. I think the United States dollar and the euro will disappear before the European Central Bank and the U.S. Fed start raising interest rates. That's my basic take on the position. Well, Jazakumullah for joining us. We've reached the end of the show. Uh, time to say Assalamu Alaikum. Uh, I make dua that whatever trade and activity you got up to today has been profitable and above all halal. Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله الحمد لله الله أكبر الله أكبر